It's good to be back. Last Sunday and really last week, I've been away and doing some ministry and doing some teaching elsewhere. And it's always good to be back. It's good to worship with you. It's good to be with you. And actually this morning, it's good to launch into a whole new ministry season with you. This is starting uh, a, a, a new 11-week season of ministry that you'll hear more about to- towards the end. But again, just worship is special here. You know, you can worship in the bathtub. You can worship uh, in a parking lot. You can worship in traffic. But there's something special about worshiping in corporate worship here. And so I, I shared this with the first service that every now and then, you know, I'm minding my own business and I'm walking with the Lord and I'm reading scriptures and I'm worshiping. But every now and then there are moments that are more personal between me and Jesus than, than other moments. Now, again, I've been walking with God. It's kind of like a relationship. Some relationship moments are just more personal and powerful than, than, than others. You're going to hear a moment this morning from Mark chapter 14. And uh, if you have your Bible, we're, we're starting back into a series. We began a while back. And now that we're launching into a new year, we're getting back into our small groups and studies and, and now this series. And uh, we've been in it like for over a year and we're halfway through the last week of Jesus's life leading up to his death and his resurrection. So Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to be. And in Mark chapter 14, uh, there are some responses to how people see Jesus. And there's one response from this unnamed woman in Mark chapter 14. Over in John 11, we know that it's Mary, not the mother Mary, not Mary Magdalene, uh, who's at the, the tomb. But this is Mary, the, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. And Mary got Jesus more than the disciples. In this moment, she expressed her heart in such a way that everybody else thought was a little bit too much little bit over the top. They literally were scolding her until Jesus stepped in. But she got it. She got who Jesus was. She got that Jesus was more than a man. He truly was not just another lamb, another sacrifice, but the lamb of God, worthy of wholehearted worship. This year, 2023, I want, I desire for you and I to have some moments that are very special, that has everything to do with how we see Jesus and then have the heart to respond in a way that resembles how we see Jesus. So uh, if you have an outline at home or here, take, take, take a look at it. Uh, I'm, I'm calling this, this message, in, in a sense, uh, four responses, how we see Jesus and, and how we respond. And uh, in 2023, you're going to see Jesus Larger or smaller, someone to back away from, someone to bow the knee to. You're going to see, but then how you see prompts a response. And uh, you're going to see four responses in in, in a minute. Uh, You're going to see a response from some religious types, some religious leaders, some Pharisees, chief priests and scribes. You're going to see a response from this Mary. You're going to see a response from 11 of the 12 disciples. And then you're going to see a response from Judas. This is the beginning of the end for Judas. You ever wondered why Judas sold Jesus out? It's not because of silver. It really is because of something else. He didn't just kind of sell him out to get a little bit more money in the purse 
that he was already managing. There was something else. And the same reason why he sold Jesus out is why some of us might be struggling and wondering, you know what? Maybe it's time. So let's dive right on in. Let me give you, as we launch into a new year, back into Mark chapter 14, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at another story, the first 11 verses of, of this chapter. Now, again, this is Tuesday evening of the Passion Week that we've already been looking at. Mark chapter 11 starts the last week of Jesus. And again, Mark, this is the shortest gospel, written about 55 A.D., about 14 years after the first gospel, Matthew, about 41 A.D. Ma- Matthew wrote... Uh, his gospel for the Jewish community around Jerusalem and throughout Israel. And then about 14 years later, Mark says another gospel is needed. And so God prompts him to write and record and then release this this, this gospel, primarily for Gentiles, primarily for those around Rome and then the Gentiles throughout. And uh, so Mark makes his case for Christ for those who don't have a Jewish background. And so he writes to say Jesus came, died, and rose for you too. So it makes a case. And then throughout these 16 chapters, it's the shortest gospel of the four. So he doesn't give as much detail as others, uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, Matthew, Luke, and John. Um, But the details he does share is all about making a decision. He presents a case for Christ. Are you going to buy in or are you going to back away? Don't stay in the middle. And throughout this series, Some people are ready to crown him earthly king. You're it. Some people want to kill him. And then the rest of people are kind of still in the middle, you know, curious. And that's where many people are still are today. So as we do this, study this morning, realize 2023, the best way to start a new year is to do something with what you believe. So uh, let, let's, let's, let's jump right on. Mark chapter 14. So he's in a place called Bethany in Mark 14 on a Tuesday night. He's been back and forth from Bethany for a couple days since Sunday. So Bethany is about two miles east on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. It takes about a half hour to go from Bethany to Jerusalem back then and today. And uh, so he's, he's, he's hunkering down in Bethany. Usually in Bethany, he's at the house, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, uh, but not this night. He's in another house, most likely because it's a little bit larger. And there's kind of a dinner party in honor of Jesus's ministry the last few years. Um, Lazarus is there, and, and Lazarus has already been raised from the dead. Uh, the, the, the house is, is, is owned by the house of Simon the leper, and uh, so most likely Jesus healed him, and so uh, he wanted to offer this as a larger home for a larger gathering to honor this Jesus who has had such a powerful ministry the last three and a half years. And so in this banquet in this larger house, there is an expression of worship that uh, gets everybody's attention. So here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 14, 1 and 2. Let me just read this text to you, and then let me unpack it with you related to how they, and then how we, how we see Jesus, and then how do we respond. 
Mark 14, 1 and 2. So it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's, about, that's Thursday night. We're going to spend a lot of time on that next Sunday. We're going to break down the Lord's Supper, break down this feast, and, uh, and why it's so meaningful still today. So it was now two days before Passover, about Tuesday night, and the, Feast of, uh, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. They've already decided. Not only are we going to back away, we got to take him out. He's dangerous. He's, he's out of control. And uh, he is leading people away from how we want to lead people. And something that I want us to grasp early in this story is all four of these responses, starting with these Pharisees, listen to me, they all had good intentions. I would even say they all had godly intentions. They really didn't want to come and do something criminal. They wanted to do something that they felt was the right thing to do for the sake of the people. Grasp that. Have you ever known someone who did something bad, but with good intentions? And the excuse was, but I meant good. Uh, my, 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 my heart was right. Listen to me. Back then and today, good intentions are not good enough. You might have good intentions. You might even have an intention to please God. That doesn't mean it's the right way to please God. These Pharisees were ticked off at Jesus. We got to kill him because that is how they thought they could please God. Mary expressed her worship in a way that she thought would please God. The disciples were frustrated with, with Mary because they wanted resources to be used to please God. Even Judas, he did not sell Jesus out for a few pieces of silver. He really felt, you know what? There has to be another Messiah. So let's, let's, let's keep going. So these guys said, we got to get him. We got to kill him. But they had a problem for they said, not many, uh, not many, uh, not, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. See, the people love Jesus. They listen to Jesus. And that's why the Pharisees were so threatened by Jesus. It's because no longer were they, in a sense, the loudest voice in the room. They used to be. And actually, they even enjoyed it. You know, they, they, they wanted to have the, the ears and the hearts of the people. But the ears and the hearts of the people were slowly going to this Jesus. And so, uh, for they said, not during the feast, lest the people uh, riot and there would be an uproar. So verse three, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, uh, same community as where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived, as he was reclining at his table, at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask uh, of ointment of pure nard. Now again, Mark chapter 14, this unnamed woman, John 11, we know that it's Mary. And so uh, this, this, this ointment, this flask uh, uh, of ointment, of pure nard, uh, this ointment that, that had a sweet smell to it, very expensive, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And uh, so again, an expression of, of devotion. Uh, and we'll talk about that. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, 
Why was this ointment wasted like that? Well, again, Mark, in Mark 14, he says, some people indignant. We might think, well, that has to be the Pharisees. Matthew 26, Matthew says, it's the disciples. So it's not just the Pharisees. Even the 12 said, you know what? This is extravagant. This is a waste. This is over the top. I wish he would have consulted with us first. And so, again, uh, some who said to themselves indignantly, you might say, Matthew 26, the disciples felt this as well. Why was this ointment wasted? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. Denarii is, is, is about one day's wage. So this was almost a year's worth of work. And it's poured, it's gone in a matter of minutes. And they scolded her. How did they scold her? You know how they scold her. They, they scold her non-verbally and verbally. Non-verbally, you know the scowls, right? Eh, you know, we all have those scowls. Someone flips you off or cuts you off. You know that scowl. You've seen that scowl. But then also, not as much to, 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 to verbally confront her, although they might have. They, they probably grumbled about her. Just ran, 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 ran. So Jesus sees it, Jesus hears it, and then Jesus steps in. I love this. Bottom line is leave her alone. What she did was for me, and it was beautiful. Look at verse 6. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Quit grumbling. Quit scowling. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. Yes, this could have been sold and given to the poor. This is not... And either or, this is a both and. There's a time to invest in the poor. But there was a moment that I will receive this beautiful moment of worship and honor from her. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. See, Jesus was always trying to reflect with a longer look. He knew he came to die. He's been telling people, I've come to die. And Mary got it. Mary understood that this was more than a man. This is more than an earthly Messiah. This is one who will be the lamb because she heard what most people chose not to hear. His days are short. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So look at now um, verse eight. So, and she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. So Jesus has taken a longer look. And truly I say to you, whoever, wherever this gospel, my story, my ministry, what I've done, what I'm about to do, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So literally, he not only silences the critics, he gives her a huge compliment. That really must have ministered to Mary, right? Everyone else is just railing on her. And then Jesus literally honors her. And then verse 10, and then there's Judas. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. Notice who brings up money. I really don't believe it was Judas. I think Judas has had enough. He's been waiting for three years plus for Jesus to finally do what we thought he would do to the Romans. And now he's wasting resources. I think Judas concluded this ship is going down. He's not making responsible choices. I'm out. 
With good intentions, I'm out. I need to follow another. The Pharisees come. We would love your help. Can we pay you? Yeah, whatever. Uh, No, no, seriously. They want to kind of seal the deal. And they did. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. So then Judas, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priest in order to betray him. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray. So again, four lenses, four responses. Listen, though, all had good intentions. Every single one, even Judas. You know what? I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this because I believe it's right. So some of you, you know, you and I can be tempted to hide behind good intentions. Good intentions are not good enough. We must let God, let us see our hearts for what it is, regardless of what motive we have. May we have a sane estimate of ourselves as we launch into a new year and a sane estimate of Jesus. So let's unpack this a little bit. So that's the passage on your outline. I encourage you to, to, to take a few notes and because uh, these four responses, two more negative, two more positive, all could be uh, something we can learn from. So here's the first one. To the religious leaders, <laughs> Jesus, I'm calling him, Jesus was a loose cannon to be contained or killed. What do I mean by that? What's a loose cannon? That's a, that's a description, right? Like a metaphor. A, a loose cannon is a cannon that doesn't shoot the way you want it to. So a loose cannon, it's powerful and it's impactful, but it's out of control. Jesus, you're powerful. You're, you, you have a, a, a following. If we can't contain you, if you can't follow the party line, we got to get rid of you. So you are not someone that we could manage, we can contain, so we got to kill. So we need to go ahead and, and, and get rid of you. And I'm going to dial into this a little bit more than the other ones. I'm going to focus more in on uh, Mary. And, and Well, I, I'm going to focus on all of them, actually. And so, but I'm going to give you a little bit more about this one because here's why. It'd be easy for us to dismiss, well, those are the mean Pharisees. Those were the ungodly Pharisees. We're never like that. Let's watch that. Why were they so offended? Before Jesus stepped up with his authority, with his ministry, with, with, with focusing on the kingdom of heaven and, and, and not here, uh, with the authority to forgive sins, uh, the Pharisees enjoyed prestige and preference. And those are the same things that you and I, we enjoy in churchy circles today. What do I mean by that? They enjoyed the respect they had of the people. They enjoyed the high position that they had before Jesus showed up. And, and they were the loudest voice in the room. They enjoyed the, the, the seats of honor and the looks of respect. But it started early on in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus showed up. Uh, Jesus started getting the respect and these Pharisees couldn't handle it. They were the opposite of what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist said, hey, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Pharisees said, yeah, no, we're not going anywhere, and he better not decrease any of the prestige of how we are seen by the people. But then the preference, what does that mean? Preference means interpretation. What is my preference? How do I interpret? How do I perceive? What does this mean? They knew what the Old Testament law said. All of God's laws that were still under the Old Covenant. And they also knew that 
they wanted to help people interpret that law. So there was a, a list of laws, but then there was a long list of their preferences. For example, the Bible says, you shall take a day off every seventh day. That's the law. That's the commandment. You shall uh, keep the Sabbath and make it holy, make it separate from the, from the rest of your week. Well, again, uh, what the Pharisees did is, so let me help you interpret that law. Let me share with you our preference for how we perceive how to apply that law to our day. And so again, uh, you shall not work. Therefore, you shall not spit on the ground. Because the saliva would work its way into the ground, that would be a sin. You can walk, but you can only walk so many steps from your house. That's not in the Bible. That is their preference. And everyone said, well, okay. And uh, there's all kinds of silly rules that, that, that misses God's heart. And the one that really got the Pharisees to plan Jesus' death was when he broke their preferential interpretation of healing on the Sabbath. So again, God said, you shall not work. God never says you shall not heal someone on the Sabbath. But what they came up with is, okay, you can maintain someone's health on the Sabbath, keep them from dying, but you can't make their health any better because that would be work. That's ridiculous, right? So Jesus said, that is so away from the heart of God. So he literally, purposefully, intentionally heals people on the Sabbath, even in their synagogue. If you remember that story, they rip their clothes, they run out screaming, this guy has got to go. So now the crowd's thinking, well, which is it? And so now the prestige is starting to shift. And now what Jesus says, what he and how he interprets is, 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 is becoming more weightier. So again, so for three and a half years, this has been going on. Then it's a climax on the Monday, the day before. This is Tuesday night, right? And so Monday, Jesus goes into their synagogue and how they are doing the money changing and, and buying and selling the animals and the sacrificing. And Jesus literally says, this is so out of hand. This is so far away from the heart of God. So he turns over tables in the morning he stops all of the sacrificing. He says, guys, before this gets started again, let me teach you. Let me teach you about my heavenly father's heart. So for the rest of the day, he teaches with authority. Pharisees says, this guy has got to go. So again, uh, to the religious leaders, he was a loose cannon to be contained or killed. And so now they had a problem because the people loved him and, and, and they're listening to him. And so they're waiting for an opportune moment. Uh, the, the second one, to Mary, he was Lord, not just a Lord. The word Lord, Greek word kurios, it means king. It means master, Lord of lords, who is defining the identity and the trajectory of your life. That's Lord. For Mary, she was all in to Jesus. And Mary heard what Jesus said about his life, ministry, death, and resurrection. Jesus has been teaching about it. Mary got it, even more than the disciples. So Mary realized he's here for a short time. He's more than a man. He's worthy of my wholehearted worship. Some scholars believe that this flask, and again, this is not 
uh, an alabaster flask, but this is actually a flask that I picked up in Israel. And uh, something like this, where some scholars believe that this was Mary's dowry. So this was the most expensive thing that she had, and she's a single gal. And back in the day, you exchange currency uh, for the, the marriage proposal and, and all of that. And so definitely this was costly. This was expensive, most all. But Mary and Jesus felt like it was inappropriate. So she breaks the flesh. Most likely she uncorks it or she, she breaks the seal and she pours some of the ointment, some of the perfume on Jesus's head. We also know again in John that she uses hair, wipes tears from Jesus's feet, worshiping him, honoring him from head to toe. And uh, before they could magnify their criticism, Jesus stops and gives her a compliment. Let me ask you a question. Was it wasteful? Most likely, if I was in the room, I would have felt that's a bit over the top. How about half? Why didn't Jesus stop her with half? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Save it. Let's sell it. I mean, Jesus could have not allowed that to happen, but he did. He even was honored and complimented and said, that story is going to be repeated wherever my story is shared. Here's a question for you. Was Jesus a narcissist? You know what a narcissist is? Narcissist, the, the lover of self. Some of you know that Greek story. Was Jesus so insecure that he needed to be reminded of how special he was? Have you ever wondered about that? How about the commandments? You shall not have any other God before me. Is God so insecure that he needs that level of adoration and position in your life? Well, the answer is no. He doesn't need you. He desires and he deserves worship. Why? It's not a matter of insecurity. It's a matter of, of recognition of reality. He knew who he was. Jesus knew that he was more than a man, more than an earthly Messiah. He is going to be king of kings, Lord of lords. All authority will be granted to him. So he knew that this was consistent with reality. But here's something else. God desires you and I back then and today to worship him. Because like I said, Whoever or whatever you worship put first in your life determines your identity, how you see yourself, how you define you. Are you special or not? Are you purposely made or are you a mistake? Well, it depends on how what your God says about you. And then your trajectory. It's not just your identity, how you see yourself, how you see the world, what lens do you relate life through, but the trajectory. How do you invest your life? Who has the last word on your life? See, God knows if you put me first, you're going to be putting your life in line of reality. And I want you to do it, not because I need your love, but because I love you so much. Because there's not a better God out there that can help flourish you because only I made you. So this isn't Jesus's insecurity. This is his recognition of reality. But then he knows that, Mary, I can handle your worship. I not only am worthy of it, but let me define who you are and the trajectory for the rest of your life. In 2023, you have a God. Listen to me. You do. I do. 
well, those Christians, they have faith. Listen, everybody has the same amount of faith. It's just where you put your faith. Some of you are putting your faith in your portfolio or your, your own gut or what that one person says about you. Man, that's shaky ground. There's only one rock that will not change, and that is Jesus. So that's why Jesus, uh, that's why Jesus welcomed approved, protected this wholehearted expression of worship. Let's talk about worship just for a second. We're starting a brand new year. So uh, what should our worship be like? What should private and public uh, worship be like? Because Jesus was honored by her worship. How do we worship in a way that Jesus is pleased and honored through our intent. Does that make sense? The good news is we have a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus taught a little bit on worship. There was this woman beside a well right outside of Sychar in the region of Samaria. And uh, to divert Jesus from getting a little bit too personal about her life, she wants to go ahead and talk Bible. She just wants to talk worship. And so, so Jesus, enough about me. Where should people worship? We worship on this hill. These other people worship on that hill, which is right. And then in John chapter four, Jesus says, listen, God is omnipresent. God is spirit. He's everywhere. It doesn't matter what hill you are, but here's how to worship. I'm, I'm, that's a major summary of that. Take a look at John chapter four, verse 24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Just a little bit this morning as we set up a new season, a new year of worship, private and public at Grace Point Church, worship with your heart, worship with your spirit, but then also worship with your head, worship in truth. Because sometimes our hearts can lead us astray, right? The Bible says our hearts are deceptive. So again, don't just follow your gut. There should be a filter for what scripture says about what's appropriate for private and public worship. But if your intent is, God, I want to please you with my worship, God says, oh, then worship with your heart. Worship with what I'm doing. Worship with some vulnerable emotion. And then worship with your head. Worship with truth. Worship in light of what I say and how to live and how to work with others. And honestly, at our church, um, you are different than the person you walked in here with if you walked in with somebody, right? You know, you're different than other people around. You have a different personality. Some people worship louder. Some people worship softer. Some people are standers. Some people are sitters, right? Some people are arm wavers. Some are a little bit more private. Listen to me. Which one is right? If you're worshiping with a heart that's surrendered to Jesus, let that heart win. And quit worrying about what other people are thinking around you. God is much more interested in about your heart than what you do with your hands. And uh, so again, worship with some vulnerability, with some honesty. But then worship in truth. And so again, that's, that's the context. And that's what Mary did. Her heart was, was poured out for Jesus, knowing that he has said that he soon will die. He's more than this man that I've had the privilege of learning and sitting at his feet for, 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 for some time. 
He is the Lamb of God, and there's nothing I have that would be inappropriate to give. And Jesus got it, and he honored her for it. All right, let's go ahead and keep moving on here. So now to the disciples. So to the Pharisees, this loose cannon, out of control. He's, he's, he's not aligning himself with us. So he has to go. We won't correct ourselves. We must kill him. To Mary, he is Lord. He's king. He deserves all. He's worthy of all. This is just a symbol of my heart. But to the disciples, to the disciples, he was a leader to be followed. What does that mean? Yes, he was Lord, King. Honestly, they have been following him for over three years. But they were frustrated on Tuesday night. Again, okay? And so there's many times Jesus said things, did things, and people left, and Peter and the gang. Jesus, why are you saying that? They're leaving. We need everybody if we're going to take on Rome. That was all their lens was. They had this earthly mentality of the Messiah. That is why the disciples thought, you know what? We need every dime. We need every ointment. We need every resource because I know why you're healing people and feeding them because we want a strong people when it's time for the revolution. But now you're wasting money. We need everything. Their mentality was too earthly. Matter of fact, on your outline at home or here, Mark 8, Mark 9, and Mark 10. Uh, we looked at those slowly through this series. Uh, when Jesus was getting closer to Jerusalem, closer to the cross, he got louder about what must happen. And so Mark chapter 8, Jesus tells the disciples, tells beyond them. He starts telling everybody who has ears to hear, I've come to die. Soon, they're going to arrest me. Soon, they're going to hurt me, spit on me, kill me, and then I'm going to rise again. Mark chapter 8. That was the time that Peter said, uh, no, uh, no, I'm not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that happen. We have a revelation to be part of. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 9. Jesus says it again. They miss it. Mary got it. The disciples missed it because right after in Mark chapter 9, says, listen, guys, it's, it's going to happen very shortly. The arrest, the mock trial, the spitting, the flogging, the killing. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. They miss it. You know what they're focused on? Um, in the West Wing of your new capital, after the Romans are gone, uh, what office is going to be closest to you or what's down the hall? That's kind of what they were arguing about in Mark chapter 9 about cabinet positions. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says it again. Guys, whoever is hearing me, it's getting close. And then they miss it again. And then what they're focused on is how ticked off they were with James and John. Mark chapter 10, James and John got their mom to go tell Jesus to make a promise to make them number one and number two. And so again, it was all about an earthly minister, ministry of prestige, uh, uh, of power, of freedom against earthly oppression. So that is why they were so confused when Jesus was allowing resources to be wasted because of the coming revolution. And that is why they were so confused at Jesus' crucifixion. They 
only started to see more clearly after the resurrection. Oh, oh. And then it started to go ahead and connect the dots for them. And, uh, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I say. To disciples, he was a leader to be followed. That night, they were corrected. That night, they were rebuked. Leave her alone. Matthew 26, we know it was the disciples who were part of the critical mass. And so when Jesus says, leave her alone, what she's doing is good, what she's doing is beautiful, what she's doing is right for this moment. You know what the disciples did? 11 of the 12, they said, fine, we're going to follow. We don't get it. You frustrate us. We still think that could have been used better. But you're the Lord. You're the king. We are still with you. Grace Point Church, not if, but when you're frustrated with your faith in 2023, when you're surprised at what Jesus allows, says, does, or doesn't do, will you follow? See, again, Back in Luke chapter 6, you have to go there. Literally, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Don't call me Lord if I'm not your leader. And I love these 11. They're maturing. They're growing. And they, they mess up and they fall, but they keep getting up and they keep moving forward. I love that. You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. We're going to fall down. Our, our, our faith is going to be, 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 be challenged. But let's be like these disciples. You know what? Where am I to go? I need you. I will follow you, even when uh, it, it's difficult to. The disciples, he was a leader to be followed, even when they didn't agree in the moment. And then lastly, let's talk about Judas. To Judas, he was a letdown to be betrayed. See, 11 decided, you know what? You're still our leader. You're still a Lord. We're still in. Judas abandoned ship. I believe it's because he believed the ship is going down. He's not the leader. He's not making wise choices. He's not taking advantage of the momentum. This is the time. I don't think he's the one that would best lead us into this new era of freedom, uh, of 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 what God has for us. I really do believe Judas had some good intentions. You know, we already know that he was stealing a little bit, pilfering a little bit, um, but I still think that he left Jesus because Jesus kept letting him down. For over three years, he had every opportunity to start planning against the Romans. I just don't think he's ever going to do it. And now he's wasting resources. So now uh, I'm ready to go ahead and move my faith somewhere else. Let me ask you a question. And this question is going to take a little bit of wrestling with God on. I believe Judas abandoned his faith with Jesus, decided to put his faith somewhere else of what Jesus allowed to happen. Jesus allowed Mary to be wasteful. Let me ask you a question. Was there ever a time in your life where you know that God is all-powerful Therefore, he doesn't cause, but he allows what has unfolded in your life or the life of someone that you love. 
What has God allowed in the past that has gotten you so close to abandon ship? I know some people, I know some people this morning that are away from Jesus. They're not putting their faith in Jesus. They're not putting their faith in the God of Scripture. You know why? It's because if God allowed that, I will not put my faith in him. I know some people, you know what? If God let that happen to my sister, I'm out. If God didn't heal my dad, my child, my neighbor, if he allowed that horrendous act to happen and he could have stopped it, don't ask me to come to your church. What do we do with people like that? You don't scowl. You don't shame. You love. You listen. You have no idea what they're feeling. But I know people. I'm waiting for God to do whatever is needed for their hearts to soften for a time when they will put their faith, maybe for the first time or yet again, back on Jesus' lap. But see, that's what got Judas. You are allowing her to do that I'm out. Listen to me. Grace Point, in 2023, you're going to be frustrated with your faith. You're going to be. You see through a glass dimly. Be like the 11. Continue to follow. Don't be like the one who abandoned ship. So that's it. Um, well, that's, that's Judas, right? I, I already gave that to you. So that's what prompted him to betray uh, when Jesus did not correct Mary, but literally complimented her. Judah says no. So um, that's the four. These are lenses, options to see Jesus through in 2023. But listen to me, you will not be able to contain him. You will not be able to manage him. He's not going to be your co-pilot or your backseat passenger. He'll only have the steering wheel. He'll only have the rudder. He'll only be Lord that you cannot control. You can trust, but you cannot control. Will you let him? Will we be like Mary? I think Mary was very aware of her sin. I think Mary was very aware of how she needed forgiveness and she needed the Lamb of God to come to live, die, and rise, and then pour out his gracious spirit. And I love these disciples. I love the fact that they still had a lot of maturity to do after three and a half years with Jesus, just like you and I. But they kept saying, you know what? We're in it. We're in it. We're in it. We're going to get to Judas in a little while in this series. What did Jesus, or what did Judas do with his guilt? He chose to kill himself. What did Peter choose to do with his guilt after denying Jesus? He chose to receive gracious forgiveness and literally be reinstated. And that's for another time. But I think as you're starting 2023, you do see Jesus through a lens. Let's let God give us maybe a new lens this morning. You bow your heads, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing. 
in our church and in, in our lives. Father, thank you for just as these people and these options were alive and well some 2,000 years ago, they are alive and well right here, right now, this morning. Father, I do pray that we would be more like Mary and we'd be more like the 11. And yeah, we'd be less like the Pharisees who try to contain and control. We'd be less like the Judas who decided to abandon ship when he disagreed with God's ways. Father, have your way with us and with Grace Point Church this year. We, send, we surrender our lives afresh to you. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a sweet moment right now, and that is a response opportunity. I have no idea what God is prompting in your heart to process. But I would encourage you in the next few moments with this last worship opportunity, process with him. Respond to him. I'll be right back.